Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cumanera, your favorite queer Numenera pod slash podcast. We're excited to have you with us and hope you enjoy our game. If you love our show, we hope you'll rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you consume your pod slash vodcast. Every review brightens our day and helps new listeners to find us. We don't pay to advertise our show, so we hope you'll recommend us to your friends and just about anyone. Keep up to date with all our shenanigans, streams, and giveaways by following us on Twitter at EQPoints. If you want notifications for when we're streaming our episodes before they're released, be sure to follow us on twitch.tv slash experiencepoints and say hi. We love chatting with all of you. Stay tuned after the episode for some more exciting announcements. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to our Numenera game. I am Kelric, the narrator, and my pronouns are he, him, and I'm here with my fabulous cast. If you all would like to, why don't we start in screen order? What's up, everybody? I'm Cage, and I'll be playing Charlie, the strong-willed nano who talks to machines. And we're all very awake and alive this morning, so this should be a really fun session. Yeah, hi. I'm Aaron. Uh, I play Riley, a graceful wave who speaks with a silver tongue, and we both use they them pronouns, and I am so awake that I have coffee. And hello, uh, my name is Kenny, uh, I use he, they pronouns, and I play Hillian Jossa, an earnest Jack who howls at the moon, and I totally did not need to read my character sheet to do that. I read my character sheet every time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's Same. the smartest way of doing that. He uses he, him pronouns, by the way. Excellent. So, despite our best efforts, we're back in the Badenu forest. Um... We're, we're following Marcus. They have a lead on some, some really interesting Numenera things. And that that sounds like, well, honestly, that sounds fun. We're, we're in the forest, and we were trying to find a really nice place to camp, and I, I think we did. Um, and then we went to go sleep. I was still kind of hungry, but, you know, that happens. But while I was sleeping, an alarm went off. And it was my egg timer. Oh my goodness, there were eggs nearby. And I was so happy. But then we got attacked by the thing that was guarding the eggs. That's it. That's what I got. Anyone have anything to add to that? Rilo pops in their head and goes, Hillian, don't forget, there were also a pack of broken hounds that attacked us immediately after that. And then we had to go somewhere else to camp. And then, like, pops head back out. <laughs> didn't didn't you like freeze them using something weird? Oh, I might have blown up a couple broken dogs, but you know, not <laughs> no, nothing that can't be passed off as ordinary. Uh-huh. I lose extra today because they're not awake. <laughs> oh yeah, extra. <laughs> I love that our 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 our. Uh, reiterations because i can't summaries i guess are basically just like the reality tv you're sitting in front doing a little interview (laughs) okay so all of you are traveling i have the map up on screen so you can see and someone has drawn these lovely pink arrows showing the two options you had that was me i drew them you are great i love you okay so you all are North of Druisi, heading west. Yes, you're heading west just inside the forest. When you ran, you did run deeper into the forest, so you have <laughs> changed things a little. You are. Did we go deeper into the forest? Yeah, because you had to run away. Because what happened was you had the. Uh, what had happened was. <laughs> what happened was the <laughs> bird came in and bird, I don't even remember what bird it was. The, the evil creature that was attacking you because it was protecting or something. Eggs. Yes, tetrahydra. Wild. 
Um, With like 30 faces. And Hillian (laughs) ran out towards the plains, which is how he brought the hounds in. (laughs) So you all ran the opposite direction, which takes you back into the forest. And we pick up with you all heading into the forest. As you are traveling, let's start with Cage. Can you tell me a time, the first time Charlie felt like she was seriously in danger when she was traveling with her mentor? I would say probably the first time Charlie felt in danger when traveling with her mentor was actually one of the times that um, she got split off from her mentor. Um, They were traveling on the south side of the Bad New Forest and um, they while they were on the path that was kind of cut out in that area, um, there was a creature that came and kind of separated them from that path. And um, they, so, so they got separated from each other for a little while and it was difficult for them to, um, to, to come back across each other. Nothing happened to her out there, but it was just the fear of what could be in the body for us. Um, but fortunately we both knew where, um, where we were headed and met there as like a rendezvous point, but y'all traveling out where you don't know where you are in the bottom new forest by yourself is not, not a fun experience. Okay. And she was eventually able to just get back with her mentor and. Yeah. We went back up at like the, the town that we were headed towards, but, um, Okay. Just the idea that anything could happen to you and nobody would know where you were is pretty terrifying. Absolutely fair. How about Hillian? The last time Hillian was in danger? The first the time. first time. Hillian felt, like, really felt being in danger when they were adventuring or anywhere. Just because we don't know much about Hillian's background. So. Yeah. So I think um, this feeling of being in danger and triggering the, um, oh my gosh, the hounds. What are they called? Susky? No, no, the, the, the hounds. hounds. Yeah. Uh, so it's triggering the, the, the hounds on the plane uh, to come to attack the party. Um, feeling that boxed in, um, Hillian starts remembering a bit of their past. And they um, remember being in um, a monastery with um, the, um, oh, goodness, what is that cult's name? The one that we are not running from, but the one that is trying to find us. The Convergence? Yeah, the Convergence. Okay. Hillian remembers running, being out of breath hiding in a closet as um, they hear or as he hears um, members of the convergence guard searching for him and uh, he remembers holding someone's hand at that time interesting how about uh, Rilu yeah so I think that the first time so like they were a part of a merchant family right and like they were probably like a, a middle-class merchant family. They weren't the most successful. They weren't the least successful by any means. Um, so Riley was, was in some situations, like the average person might consider dangerous, which to them was just part of their childhood. But the, the part that they, like their, their distinct memory of real danger is um, when they, one of the many times they went to visit their mentor before the before they actually were taken on as like their mentor they were just um going and watching shinma like do their performance it was towards like right right about when um rilu did get taken on uh they went to follow shinma to ask him like hey will you train me like i want to i want to learn more about you and they went to follow them and they actually got uh they went down the wrong alley and they got cornered by some like street like urchins or you know some 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 ruffians you could tell i'm not awake i just use the word ruffians um (laughs) and they were cornered they were probably like 10 and uh and shinla had actually known that they were that that, uh that they were being tailed and 
had actually turned around and saved Rylu. But like Rylu's pretty sure that they would have ended up dead if it wasn't for that. And that was kind of how they connected. That wasn't when they got taken on for for like as an apprentice, but that was kind of when they started actually be, when Shinla started being aware of Rylu as like an individual. Okay. Very cool. So I think all of this is on y'all's mind as you <laughs> accidentally create the situation <laughs> because of Hillian's egg bracelet oddity. And you have got the eggs down and you have them packed away and you all are heading out. Um, you were heading deeper into the forest are you going to, where are you going to feel safest to sleep? Because you all are in need of rest. I mean, Ryler's like, well, let's pack up 10 feet to the left. I don't really, this forest is going to be dangerous no matter where we go. Let's go, let's go over there away from the dead bodies. And, you know, I, I think we have to get away from the scent. Um, and that's going to carry for quite a ways. Um, and Hillian looks at his, egg bracelet and says um maybe I should pay closer attention to where we bed down okay we should definitely move further away than 10 feet from this space (laughs) Uh, let's just travel a little further up the ways and then we can find a nice place to rest Rylo just hand waves like, yeah, you and you and you and your friend, because I, I Aaron forgot you and Marcus. your friend go and take yeah, you and Marcus take the lead. This is your forest. I'm just living in it. <laughs> okay. So y'all travel for a short while. We'll leave it to Hillian to determine where is a safe distance because Hillian traveled alone a lot um so can i roll like yeah i'm gonna do an intellect check um and uh, i'm gonna add to a skill i'm gonna spend some xp and add to a skill for um pathfinding i guess or would it be like um can i do something generic like a survival that's kind of a catch-all yeah um this would definitely be if you're spending two experience points for a skill Mm -hmm. then the skill needs to be a little more specific. Okay. So it could be uh, pathfinding in the Ba'adenu forest, or if you feel like you've been in other forests, it could be pathfinding in forests. Okay. Let's do that. Pathfinding in forests. Cause I've, Hillian has spent quite a bit of time foraging and surviving on his own. Yeah. So, so that'd uh, be trained? Yeah. Okay. Let me... Uh, and that would allow me to probably know the safest distance and then find a good place for us to sleep. Yes. Okay. I'm willing to, to make it general like that. And especially, I think, you know, if all of you wanted to eventually put points into a skill of how what's a safe distance to be away from a corpse you've made? <laughs> 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 an animal corpse you have I made. mean that seems like that's coming up a lot so that yeah. probably actually would be pretty useful for us <laughs> yeah I'm actually trained in corpse scent avoidance <laughs> yeah I mean basically well, I'm trained in mortification <sighs> Milo is mortified daily about the situation they're in, so that's uh, alright so this is an intellect task um, mm-hmm. I have two edge in that I'm going to expend all of the effort because Hillian has brains for days right now. Yeah, I feel like you had a couple of recovery checks marked, but I had three. I didn't know where we were starting. Yeah, so you're still there. Cool. All right, rolling. Oh, that's oh, so good. Nice. Yeah, you are able to. How far do you want to go? Um. Safest distance, honestly. I want us to. Um, Hillian would, um, you know, follow the the air patterns and uh, sense the climate. He would, uh, yeah, he would um, 
be listening out for predators and be looking out for tracks and yeah. you know different telltale marks for things and then finding the best spot to make camp. So what I would say is you travel for about an hour and a half and you are able to find a space that's semi-clear. Some of the trees have actually grown really close together, so it's almost like a wall to uh, the north. And it's only about you know five, six trees, but it if you feel like you need something at your back, you have something at your back. And can I get Charlie to roll a d6, please? No. (laughs) (laughs) A three. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to say that the, the tree wall is actually about 10 feet wide. And as you're standing there, Marcus kind of looks at it and says, I wasn't really wasn't planning on doing this just yet, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is really necessary. And so which side do you think you're safest on? Do you think we want to sleep on the side facing the forest or the plains from where we are? Well... Um, if we sleep on the side of the forest and we can see the plains, that might be the, it would give us cover and we'd be able to see anything coming across the plains. Okay. So they're going to pull out what looks like a small piece of sandstone that is roughly the size of your palm and um, it's like two triangles stuck together. So, you know, it's just this sort of diamond-esque shape. And they put it on the ground, and then they take out their canteen, and they pour some water on it, and then they step back uh, to the... Charlie also takes a step back. <laughs> oh, yeah. They they have their arms out, and they are, you know, backing everyone up. And then uh, within about three minutes it grows into um an instant shelter which you all are familiar with because rilu had one at one point where that was there is now a permanent one room simple structure has a door a transparent window um i'm sorry it's a two rooms uh because you rolled so high and it's about 10 feet by 10 feet by 20 feet So you have this space to sleep to be safe for the night. You have the window to make sure that the anines are safe. So you can keep watch, but keep watch in a more comfortable setting. Uh, Marcus, do you have an instant hitching post? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that's called a tree. And they point over to some of the trees. Instant yawns, you know, whatever. (laughs) Marcus goes about unpacking some stuff into the structure just for the the rest of the night so that y'all can rest and everyone can recuperate a little. And... Since I want to know what a six would look like. <laughs> you <laughs> like, got a mansion. Of a sudden, like a mansion pops up in the middle of the woods. You basically hit the marker for it to be a two. Okay. Anything okay. higher, it just. It's the same. Chandelier. Same size. The six comes with a pool, actually, like an Olympic-sized <laughs> swimming pool. Just uh, a jacuzzi. I mean, it's not that big. With tub. your very own anti-Jurassic uh, <laughs> fence mechanism. Yeah, pretty much. And so it's no shock that this is a thing that Marcus has. It's mm-hmm. just unfortunate that once you use it, it's there for good. Mm-hmm. No, like this they... is this is now Marcus's outpost. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a safe space that you all can mark on your maps to retreat to that absolutely no one's going to know about other than Marcus. So that might be a thing to keep in 
your back pocket if you ever need a. Oh, so it's gonna okay. That's gonna just stay there. Cool. So that should just so you, if you choose to make a note, because otherwise you are not gonna remember this, and I won't either. <laughs> so anyway, so you'll get to sleep through the night, Marcus. Since Marcus didn't get hurt at all, they offer to take watch until tomorrow and then if you all want to stay an extra day to recuperate then you can because i don't know that we're actually in that much of a hurry we're not i mean we are being chased but i don't know if they know where we're at yeah i'm at any given moment they could pop out and, and attack us i don't think moving fast or moving slow is going to be the, the decider it's it's the convergence they're probably here right now who knows <laughs> well the convergence is one thing. I, I'm a little bit more worried about the um, order of truth. The order of truth right now. Bunch of ninnies in their high towers. <laughs> we worked for them. Yes, that's why I know. <laughs> <laughs> they sent us to do jobs, Hillian. They can't be that skilled if they were sending us to do things. Speak for yourself. Ooh. I am. <laughs> I so. was not cut out for this life. I got thrown into it. Says the one that's like the most combat oriented of our whole team. <laughs> you should see what they could do in a city. They're built for a city. I built Hillian like a therapist. So <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's just your friendly local mechanic. Y'all are awesome. Ugh. <laughs> We make quite the trio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have like a, a, a street youth, a therapist, and a mechanic. Well, all right then. Uh, love it. Yeah, so Charlie right now has full pools, um, and but would just want to get those recovery marks back. Yes, and that's what requires the rest. Yeah. So that's why... Uh, Marcus is taking that so that the mm -hmm. the three of you can remove those checks. Rylu always sleeps with their pack, by the way. I feel like that because we're going like we're putting the Indians outside. Rylu always like lays on top of their pack. <laughs> yeah, living I, with thieves for a while did that. <laughs> well, I feel like the, the, since we've been on the run for you know the better part of a couple of weeks, um, you know, I think that's kind of changed how we camped. Uh, a bit so you know Hillian would definitely not unpack their pantry um <laughs> so that you know he has snacks at arm's reach his snacks will be in his back cool all right so you all sleep and when you wake up breakfast is being made and um Marcus says do do we want to stay here an extra day and make some plans? Because this is, well, I was really hoping to save this for something else, but this is a home for all intents and purposes. So we could, we could spend a day here and make plans on what we're going to do when we get to the mound. Well, this is certainly the best structure we'll probably come across on this travel, so I wouldn't be against taking advantage of the space that we have while we have it. I mean, I want to get out of this forest as soon as possible, but at the same time, I have no idea what we're up against. I don't know. I mean, you said there's a vehicle, and I, that's not... I, I will be there to help defend you all, but you're not going to want me touching that vehicle. So if y'all need to make plans, you, we can totally stay. Charlie uh, leans over to Marcus. It's true. Don't let them touch the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Marcus goes out to the anine that they were on and they come back and they have like a box and it's this sort of opalescent blue and the sort of color waves are just sort of traveling over this box and they bring it inside and they set it up and then they place their right palm on it and suddenly it projects image on one of the walls and they're like why don't we have breakfast and talk about this then 
y'all have time to grab breakfast. And as you come to sit down, Marcus says, so this is part of the way into the mound. And I was able to get in by myself fairly easily, but now there's four of us. And so it's going to be a little different, but they sort of move their palm and the image starts to move forward, sort of like a movie. And it's obviously from a individual's perspective as they look around. And so you see, you know, how when you're, if you have like a camera on your head as you're riding your bike or whatever, any of those kinds of videos, how when the people turn their head and just randomly look around, that sort of stuff is happening. There, you can tell it's the Ba'adanu forest because you're so familiar with the space now. You see that this person is moving relatively stealthily, just checking things out. They put their foot down and suddenly they look down because you hear a click and you can smell, you know, the forest vegetation just like you normally would in and you hear everything and it's obviously coming from this projector, but you are getting this sensory experience with it. As they put their foot down and they hear a click, um, they sort of jump backwards where they had been standing. There is a five foot by five foot square of earth that is just opened up and there is just a black inky hole that they could have fallen into. And Marcus is like, yeah, that's that's something you have to look out for. If you hear a click, you need to move. So there are these little pit traps like everywhere around here. Uh, I'm not sure who set them and all, but there's that. And can uh, um, Hillian study the like what that looks like? I mean, anyone's capable of that. Are you wanting to put some <laughs> intellect towards it? Or are you wanting to try and draw that? What are you trying to do? I think what Hillian is trying to do is uh, find out how it stands out from the rest of the forest. So, all right. So you can do a role for these sort of things, but let's try to do it in character. So, yeah. 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 So Marcus just said what they said. Um, you, you said that if you hear a click, but what, what if, could, could you see any de- like thing that shows that it exists before you step on it? That, that would be helpful. Marcus stops moving their hand. Oh, well, let's see. And they start panning the image backwards really slowly. So it's. Not a frame by frame, but it's it's like you're just exaggeratingly, exaggeratingly stepping away from something going backwards. So the pit closes slowly and then, you know, they sort of jump forward and give me a perception roll. Um, I see you're trained in perception. I am trained in perception. Um, it's early in the day. I've had or Hillian's had their you know, hot bean juice. So um, let's expend like one effort. Okay. This is going to be, let me look at this. This is going to be a demanding task. Okay. So it's, you know, a difficulty three. Since you're trained, that takes it down to a difficulty two. And you're applying effort, effort, which takes it to a one. Okay. So let's see what you roll. 19. (laughs) Not only are you able to see something, but you're able to create a minor effect around that. So Marcus is scrolling back and looking and they're like, I, you know, I never really saw anything. I just saw the pits opening when I heard the click. And they're drawing their hand back very slowly, and the image is going in that direction. Can um, my minor effect be that I have trained Jacques to detect them? 
Sure, but if this Jacques dies, then you lose that. Yep. Okay. I understand. Yes, absolutely. But I figure it's a good risk. Well, let's. What what does it look like? Walk us through what uh, Hillian sees as they're watching this recording of Marcus's journey to the mound. Um. So looking at the recording, um, um. I imagine it's a lot more dynamic than what um, you've like what you would see like in one of the sci-fi movies where it's kind of all just blue. I think I imagine it's actually like in full color. Um, you can see Marcus doing this, but it's in three dimensions. Like it's almost photorealistic. You see their foot go down on what looks like um, a. Um, a wedge of earth that kind of comes up just a little bit when their foot depresses onto this plane of earth. Um, all of a sudden it just kind of disintegrates into a nothingness into this void does. So let me ask this question. Is it like, it does it turn into a pit itself in the earth or is it actually like a void? And, you have no idea. Okay, so it's, it's just, just black. It's just darkness. Just there's darkness. No, awesome. There's just no light beyond about five feet. Okay, so in that case, what happens? <laughs> Instead of things kind of disintegrating, a darkness spreads out from this wedge, like the light is being drained from it, from that area, and it's just pure dark, pure mm-hmm. the absence of light itself. And so... You don't know if that next step is going to have you tumbling into a void or if you will step on the, the, the land. It's just... And in, in looking at this, Hillian, it's like, oh, okay. So it looks like it emits a certain sound as someone gets close. So it must feel vibration. That's interesting. And so um, Hillian lifts Jacques up from the ground and we watch it together and like Hillian goes, okay, listen. And then points at the image and um, it rewinds again and then happens again. And Jacques kind of goes, me. And um, I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm so going to have to kill him before he makes that noise again. (laughs) (laughs) I forget the Jacques was like a goat. I still thought it was like a marmot or whatever. So I was like, why does it make that sound? It's it's part goat, part dick dick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking like a little chipmunk looking thing because I forgot. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I ate that one. (laughs) To be fair, that could be what a chipmunk sounds like. (sighs) All right. So you go through that and Marcus is, that's, that's really, that's a good catch. I, I was so scared when it happened. I just didn't even think. Uh, That is terrifying to be sure. Well, all right. And so they start moving forward again, move around the pit as they're walking. They actually set off like four more pits because they hear the click and then they jump and in one case, they hear the click, they jump, they land on another thing that clicks, and they jump again. And, I mean, they're barely making it through. Um, and will we have this problem if we go out to the plains? <laughs> but then, then we're not heading to the vehicles. Temporarily. So this is sort of the pathway into okay. where the vehicles are. This is these are just traps that apparently have been set by whomever who whomever it was who owned the vehicles or owns them, who knows. So there's those and then uh, as I got past those there were other traps and they show you this Thing where they're walking they just obviously were out of breath from all the jumping and stuff and they put their hand on a tree 
And suddenly there is this sonic blast that hit Marcus full in the head. And all of the sound from the image goes away. Marcus, the image Marcus is looking around a little frantically. Like they saw where the blast came from because it was like this wave emitter that just like hit them out of from out of the tree. Marcus stumbles back. There is a plant that Charlie is pretty familiar with. It's not the same one that was in the hothouse, but it's basically like a needler vine. And so if you step on it or if you get within its range, it starts shooting needles at you. Uh, several of those get lodged into um, Marcus's arm. And you can see it because you're basically seeing out of Marcus's eyes. And so when Marcus like pulls the arm in front of themselves, they, they have needles all through them. Um, Marcus moves out of the way back towards the sonic tree and uses that for uh, cover. And then you see Marcus like trembling, but just calming themselves and standing perfectly still. And slowly the sound starts to come back. Marcus pulls out a set of tweezers and starts pulling the, the pins out of themselves, the little needles and you just hear and they apply some salve then they start moving forward again do any of you have any questions as you're watching this or is it all i think riley was trying to analyze like the pattern here because it all seems so meticulous right like it's trap after trap that marcus was stumped like not even stumbling into like jumping from one to the other hitting him almost so like someone planned this out meticulously it's not randomly placed traps because like then marcus came off one trap and right where they happened to put their arm it hit another one which stumbled them in like it's too synchronized mm -hmm. and so i think riley's trying to tr like use their training as like a performer and like a dancer to like recognize a pattern here to like help them get through it maybe or see the logic behind it or something yeah give me a roll okay i'm gonna put in some effort and are you talking any of this out with everyone or is this just in your head? I think if I figure it out, I will. But I think Rylou's kind of staring at it and squinting. Like at first they weren't really paying attention. They were like, oh yeah, this is, you know, th there's random traps. But then they kind of saw what was happening and was like, hold on a minute. This is like a dance. And cool. that's why they started paying attention. Love it. Um, so let's see, I'm gonna put in two levels of effort. And what are you using to try and reduce the difficulty? I don't think I have anything really because, I mean, I think I have something in physical movement, but I'm studying. I'm not actually doing it. Yeah. So I, I don't, like most of my stuff is, is, is the act of doing, not the act of studying. So I don't really think I have anything to reduce. Okay. And the difficulty. one of the things I will say that you, your description here does is I think it, circumvents your inabilities where it comes to understanding Numenera because that's not what you're focusing on. You're not focusing on what's the creating the trap. It's the placement of everything. So yeah. I feel like this search of yours, because you don't know any of the people, you don't know why it's like this. So I'm going to say it's a difficulty five. Okay. You've put in two levels of effort, which takes it down to a level three. Cool. So, nine or better. Seventeen. Nice. So, yeah, absolutely. Looking at this, you are able to see a pattern. Why don't you tell us what you see? Yeah. So I think that. So I think then, like, if Rylu does recognize it, they you start do? to, uh, they start to talk out loud, and they're like, they they see what Marcus is doing here, and. But there's like a part I feel like where Marcus pauses it and it's like, oh, see, and right here, you know, um, I, I stumbled and I found this needler and Rylou just goes, no, this is a, I think, and then everyone like, or some people turn and look, at least someone does. And Rylou goes, I recognize this. And I think Rylou has like a flashback scene and they're talking at the same time where 
um, they were taught a dance and they were um, they were at a, a ball that they shouldn't have been at. Like they were they were an imposter or they were going to a ball. They were like they were there to infiltrate and their their mentors teaching them in like a warehouse and they're teaching them this dance and the steps of the dance line up exactly with the pattern mm-hmm. of this trap system. And like, so they're describing this and there was like, yeah, so, and they, they get up and they start doing it. They're like, so this dance that I, that I know that I, I've, that I learned, you put like one foot here and one foot here and they start reenacting it. And they're like, Marcus, play, play back the video. And it just happens to be the steps of where each trap is. And, you know, you, the part where uh, Marcus put their hand on the tree, like with Rylu, they're like leaning and their arms extended where a partner would be like holding them. Okay. And it's just this like intricate dance. And they're like, I, I don't know if it's the exact same, but it's it's co- it's a big coincidence. I think I might be able to get through at least some of this. Awesome. What's the dance called? Uh, it is the dance of the uh, two heads. Okay. So why don't you do a quick int roll for me? Okay. I'll apply effort to it. I don't know what I'm doing, so let's put in one point of effort to it. Yeah. Oh, oh, she was not great. Yeah, no, that's fine. All right, so you have the name of the the dance, and that's and the steps. So that's awesome. And through the conversation and doing this, the image as Marcus is moving forward fades, and it, it, the Numenera device that they have, all of the opalescence just sort of drains out of it, and it just becomes this clear box and they're like well that's two and the cipher is depleted and so they're like well we didn't get as far as i wanted with this but there are other traps before we get to the mound and then once we're in the mound there are some other things but as we get closer i think you know, th- uh, these are the things to be on the lookout for, because you did see that after Marcus moved away, the traps after a time just reset themselves. Mm. So it's not like you you would come in and there would be these pits just in a line <laughs> for you. It's like, nope, there now it just looks like normal uh, forest. This space. is the field of cheese. <laughs> So, Should I write down anything? Um, like, does it actually give me a bonus or not because of the second roll? Uh, I think it definitely gives you a bonus. The second roll was for something else. Gotcha. So um, with that, you you can have an asset for traversing the Baadenu Forest to the mound. Cool. Yeah. Well, I will write that down. So, yeah, you have that. Um so Hillian like claps his hand on Marcus's shoulder and says, "You, my friend, are a badass. <laughs> you made it through all of those traps." Yeah, it wasn't easy, but they're kind of preening. They're like, "Thank you." Yeah. And again, I think with the four of us, I think it'll be fine, but you needed to know that these are things we're heading into. Um, there wasn't anyone in the mound, but there are some, you know, difficult areas to get through. Cause it's not all, it's not clear now. Now that we're not near town and I know that this is a safe place, I just need to be clear. Rylu, you had brought up what happens once we get this vehicle started, working, fixed, whatever, right? Who gets it? The reason I'm not concerned is that there are enough vehicles for each of us to have our own as long as Charlie can get them working. So that won't be a problem. Charlie pats her little small bag of tools on her hip. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and this, 
this part of this planning took several hours. Like it was breakfast. You're heading into lunchtime at this point. Marcus says, using this Numenera device obviously tired them, like sort of drained their presence. Like they just, they became more and more tired as they used it. And then once it was dissipated, they just seem really tired. And so they, you know, um, I really just need to take a nap. So, uh, I'll see you all in a couple hours. Cause remember they stayed up on watch and now this Marcus is, pushed themselves pretty far to get you all this information and get everyone prepared for whatever. Okay. Marcus, before you go. um, So now we have a clear understanding of how you got into the space. Is this the same way you had to go to get out or how did you, how did you leave? No, that's the same way. Okay. So there's one way in and one way out as far as you know. Yeah, I only took one way. I was like, if I'm leaving, at least I know what to expect going this direction. And there wouldn't be, I didn't feel, I felt like there wouldn't be any real surprises because I knew where I had been. They, they squeeze your shoulder and, you know, sort of say, okay, I'm, I need to lay down. And they head into the other room where it's just quieter and their bedroll is and they just lay down and they basically pass out. Like they're super tired. You all have more information than you have had. And I think this is a really good time to take a break. Um, so that's where we'll end for today. Well, thank you all for playing with me today. This is really fun. Um, why don't we do our sign-offs starting with Kenny? Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, my name is Kenny. You can find me on Twitter at PunderDrone. Uh, when I'm not playing this uh, fun game with these amazing folks, um, I am the narrator of our um, Starfinder campaign that we play every other Saturday. Uh, we are rapidly wrapping up our uh, adventure on book two, Soldiers of Brass, on Dawn of Flame Adventure Path. Um, so come check us out and find out what happens at the conclusion of that story. Um, can I also, uh, spoiler our, our surprise thing? Oh, please do. Okay. Um, on, we are streaming on Saturday, the 31st Halloween. Uh, so we are going to be having a Halloween show, uh, where we do play something that is not Starfinder. Um, we're going to be playing a game by Craig Campbell called Die Laughing. Um, that is a horror comedy game where we all, um, play into the tropes of horror uh, movies and um, narrate one ourselves. Uh, so, um, and in that show, we are also also going to be introducing our uh, new permanent cast member for um, Experience Point Starfinder. So uh, come check us out. Aaron? Oh, hi. Uh, I am Aaron. Uh, I've been playing Rylu. And um, I don't really have that many plugs right now, so feel free to come chat with me on Twitter at Space Persona. I'm, I'm on there retweeting quite a bit, and uh, yeah, I, my my Twitch is currently on a hiatus uh, to be determined on when it is coming back. But I did just order a new camera, so maybe it'll be soon. That's not why I haven't been streaming, but like maybe that'll <laughs> motivate me to get back into it. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for thanks for hanging out. Hey everybody, I'm Cage, uh, and you can find all of my social streams, podcasts, and creative projects on my website, ragecagerugger.com. That's R-A-G-E-K-A-G-E-R-U-G-G-E-R.com. And that also includes my YouTube, in which I recently uploaded the recording from the uh, uh, D&D adventure that I DM'd on my channel, um, as well as uh, it's the adventure that I wrote. So if you want to check out a playthrough of the Brewski Jubilee, you can find that on my YouTube channel. Wonderful. And I'm Kelrick, your narrator. I play, I do this every other week. And on alternating Saturdays, I'm in our Starfinder campaign. 
I'm really looking forward to our Halloween event. And I am planning on starting to stream Tuesday evenings from 6 or 7 until about 9 playing Destiny 2. So if anyone's interested in joining, I have one friend. We need one more for our fire team. Um, and that's about it for now. So thank you once again for joining us. This has been absolutely amazing to me. I've had a lot of fun, and I look forward to getting to the mound next week. Oh, we've also started a world anvil. So I believe all of the characters are now connected to Cuminera and I am starting to throw articles up there for you so you can see where we've come from and who our characters are and different elements of our Numenera world. So you can find that link in uh, on our YouTube channel and I'll put it up on our Twitter and it'll be all over the place because I'm putting a lot of work into it. <laughs> so, bye! Bye. Bye. Thank you for watching or listening to Cuminera. If you're looking for more TTRPG podcasts in your life, we recommend checking out all of the shows on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. Every show there is fantastic, and who doesn't want more LGBTQIA content? If you like what we create, then you should also listen to our Starfinder cast, a story utilizing Paizo's Starfinder system. We have an awesome cast of folks following the Dawn of Flame adventure path and improving our way into fun and funny situations. You can easily find us and all of our recent episodes on our website, experiencepoints.com. We thank you so much for listening and supporting us, and please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and wherever you listen to your media. Bye! Hello and welcome to St. Fleur, where the city is modern, the fantasy is urban, and the faction politics are at an all-time high. Join us in Shadows of St. Fleur as we follow the wizard, Alistair Lockwood. Regret to inform you, I'm not a wizard. I am a master of the arcane arts. The scholar, Jeremiah Roderick Crawford. I'm an earl, you know, and you're a baron. Those words carry some weight. The wolf, Victor Margaret. Victor stands on the bridge in the cold. Fuck. The Fae who is known only as Silk. Um, do we know if this was a, you know, was a standard mugging? And the vamp, Alex Jarreau. Quite. Because the first time the door opens, I'm going to push her out. Through their experience in the city. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast with a majority LGBTQ plus cast playing characters finding their way through faction politics, all in pursuit of their own individual goals. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.